Welcome back to the Digital Dive Podcast, a conversation about tech. My name is Darsh. I am one of your hosts. My name is Jacqueline. I'm your other host. In this week's episode, we're actually talking about a brand new device from Motorola, the Motorola Stylus. I have it in hand. Um, And we're also going to be talking about what led Motorola here from different acquisitions to some failed products, kind of like the history and the story of Motorola, the rise and fall, and maybe rise again. Uh, We're going to kind of just be breaking it down this episode. If you like what you hear this episode, guys, make sure to hit that follow button on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And make sure that you get notified of every episode that we do, and it ultimately helps us get the show out to even more people. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Let's roll the intro. All right, Darsh. I think that what makes the most sense here is to not talk about the Motorola Stylus right away. Got to kind of build up to that. Yeah, we have to, we have to talk a little bit about like where Motorola has been, you know, like you're meeting a, you're meeting, you're going on a date with the girl, you're taking her out, you want to know where she's been first, you want to know like what her experiences are in life and totally. how she got to this point to be the person that she is. What, what, um, the bad things in the past. Yeah, the red flags. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like why was, why was she dumped? Okay. That's a, re- like, we got to figure out all these red flags. So let's look at Motorola. Yeah. <laughs> let's look <laughs> for the, did... let's look for the red flags. <laughs> Totally, yeah. Why did Google sell Motorola? Literally. Let's deal with that. that well, that's I, like the company equivalent of getting dumped. That is literally the company equivalent of getting dumped. It, it's, it's you buy it and then you sell it a couple of years later. It's like, yeah, okay, this was not working. Let's find out why. Um, but just starting out with Motorola and a little bit of history into Motorola as a whole. Motorola's been around for like over 100 years at this point. Like they've been around for a very long time um, building technology, different types of technologies. And funny enough, actually, this is something I found out when preparing for this episode. I didn't know that actually Motorola had a huge hand in um, bringing Neil Armstrong to the moon. So uh, I was telling Jacqueline about this before we started the podcast. Like Motorola was the communication head pretty much for um, this big, like this giant leap for mankind. So effectively when Neil Armstrong was stepping on the moon, the Motorola, like Motorola had a huge hand in it because they were actually the ones who created the motor, like the transponder that he was holding and using to communicate back to uh, like, what is it? Station, NASA, like NASA headquarters, NASA brain station. Like what, what's it called? Master control. That's the word. Yes. Yes. Master control. You got there. You got there. I got there. See, it happens on occasion where like, you gotta, you gotta just flesh it out a little bit, you know, just figure out where we're going. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I thought that was really, really cool. Jacqueline, like, have you ever heard about this before? I didn't. And I was actually pretty shocked when you were telling me about it because, you know, it's funny. Like, so I'm 20, Darsh is 21, which means that our like experience with technology, like we, we do know about these old stories because we're so interested in tech, but we didn't live through a lot of it. And so this is just one of the ones that I did not know about that was pretty fascinating. And it also just shows, I think, how Motorola has evolved over the years and how like they've been a really prominent player for decades. It's, it's crazy, actually, if you think, if you sit down and think about it, like they've been around through almost every single evolution of phone. And at this point too, they're sitting at a position where they're still creating phones. Like they're still kicking. Like you look back at HTC, for example, or LG, two huge conglomerates in the like phone space have both stepped out of the ring. They've, they've tipped their hat. They're done. Now we're looking at Motorola and they're coming out with the Moto G stylus, like a brand new iteration. It's coming to the States. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the fact that they're able to keep up with all these innovations in the space and like actually stay somewhat relevant is hugely surprising. Yeah, but what I will say is like their relevancy, like maybe like their the peak relevancy in terms of consumer smartphones has taken a big dip. Like their prominence, I think the first phone that everyone thinks of when they think of Motorola is the Razor. Yeah. 
I, I, I'd say that. I'd say the Razer is probably one of the first phones you'd think about. And for me personally, actually, I think one of the first phones I actually started uh, thinking about was the Moto Z. Or Z, I guess, because I'm Canadian. Why the Moto... Okay, first of all, I got to ask, why is it Z in Canada? You think I know? Like, I have okay. no <laughs> idea. No, like, I, I'll be honest. I, I think it's um something to do with the fact that we... The more of the English that we speak comes from British English, I guess, for Canadians. Like, okay. there's, a hu- there's a large... A larger and more predominant emphasis into how like into our i guess linguistics i guess that comes from britain which is also surprising because apparently so are our manners but like i feel like the stereotype with brits is that like britain people people who are from britain are usually like pretty rude at least that's a stereotype and really and the stereotype for canadians i feel like they're really more nice. like cheeky than rude like don't you do you feel like the stereotype because i feel like the stereotype is almost like british people are like cheeky and sarcastic but i haven't heard rude before I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing up stereotypes, but also we shouldn't even be talking about stereotypes. Who, who, who gives a flying poop about it? Um, yeah, talk valid, about, valid. yeah. Talk about Motorola though. The first ever Motorola phone that actually had come out uh, is called the Dynatac. It was the it is the granddad of cell phones. It is a like I don't know, Jacqueline. Have you actually ever seen this? The Motorola Dynatac. I have because I like did a lot of like research for this, but prior to this, I can't remember. If I've seen it, because they came out with like so many different phones in the early stage. Mm-hmm. Actually, my first phone ever was a Motorola phone. Really? Yeah. Okay. Wait. I don't know if I'd count it as my first phone, but it was like it didn't have a SIM card. It didn't. It didn't actually like you couldn't actually call or anything from it. But I had it, um, and I used to play with it when I was a kid. That was a Motorola. But my first actual phone was an HTC. Interesting. Yeah. Like my um, dad had a Motorola phone. Like when I was really young, like one of the really old ones. Mm-hmm. And like, so that was one of my first experiences with the phone. But then when I actually got my first phone, it was a Motorola phone. Yeah. Okay. So that, that, that tracks that. But the Dynatac is like that phone that you'll see in those old retro. Like if you see like a movie that takes place like years before, it's like that giant brick pretty much. It's like a yeah. white brick <laughs> with a huge antenna on it. And all you have are like the number pad, the call button, the end button, and then a small little screen where you can see what you typed in. And that came out in 1983. That was 1983. So like it is is the basis of like what cell phones are today. Like that's where kind of everything started to come off from. I feel like that was also like a lot of what, at least when I think of like old, really dated cell phones, like that's what I think of. Like a really chunky brick um, where the only thing you could do is call. And I think it was like you had maybe like 30 minutes on your plan. Like that was probably about it at the time. Yeah. And then in 1986, so three years later, they came out with a pager actually. And then it became the, it was called the Bravo numeric pager and mm-hmm. it became the world's best selling pager. And so like, just in terms of relevancy, like in the eighties, they were crushing it. Like they really were innovating in the space in a way that a lot of other companies weren't because then 1989 comes around and they came out with a micro yeah. Which is like basically like the same thing as the white phone, but much smaller and a lighter model as well. See, that's what I was going to say. The the MicroTac was the first phone that I actually used to play with when I was a kid. It was like my uncle's phone. He had two of them. That's crazy. And so he gave uh, he gave my sister and I both one of them and we had them. We were playing with them and like we used to have them in, like, in our basement. Like we used to just like whip them out and pretend like we were calling each other because that was so cool. What year was that? Like this was like like 2005 maybe. Like this is like, a, like it was just- That a, phone was old at that point. It was at that point the phone was 15 years old, which I imagine makes sense why they gave it to two five-year-olds like yeah. to play with. Like, realistically <laughs> speaking, it's a brick. It's not, it's, it's like giving someone a Nokia 3310, like, like that brick totally. of a phone. I actually did play with that too at some point. Cause I believe my dad had one and he gave me that one. Like when I was younger, I was always really, really into phones. So like in my nightstand, actually, I have like a, a couple of different phones that I played with over the past couple, like over like me growing up over time. And like before I actually got my real first phone. 
So I was just yeah, me too, me too. Yeah, like I don't know. Yeah. I was, like I don't know. I don't, okay, this is a, just an interesting story. And I remember when I was going, my brother was getting his first phone, and my brother's five years older than me. So I was I was younger at the. I think it was like maybe ten or 11 when he got his first phone okay and uh we went to the like bell store so like bell like at&t it's like a provider here in canada and we went to the bell store and like we were just chatting with the sales rep and uh, my sister was like really she really, really wanted like a phone too and so the guy like the sales rep super super nice guy gave her one of like the dummy phones and was like here you go like take it like go for it play mm. with it and I, I don't know where I don't have it anymore. I used to actually hold on to it because I was really I was really salty that I didn't get it, so I stole it at yeah. some point when I was younger, <laughs> and then I gave it back. I think or I, we lost it or something along those lines. But I just remember I don't know. It's always cool like when you're growing up to play with phones. At least for me, that was that was my my passion project when I was a kid. Totally, that was like my foray into like consumer tech. Was like begging my parents to play with their phone. That, and then so it was like Motorola, and then it was a BlackBerry. And so for Motorola, that was the 1980s. But then if we Flip forward a little bit. If you go to uh, the 2000s, Motorola in 2000 comes out with the f- world's first GPRS cellular system. And so that was definitely a really big deal. And it was the system used the world's first cellular phone, the Motorola Timeport P7389i. Yeah. And so that was like a pivotal moment for like, because if you talk to people like pre-2000, they obviously didn't have phones. And so when, I think like, they had phones, but they didn't have like, cellular easy to use phones and mm-hmm. so life really changed when people started using cell phones oh absolutely but on top of all of that too not even just like like looking at this also like not even just uh like the fact that they were the first ones to do this you also have to look at the pricing back at this time too right like like the motorola Dynatac that we're talking about from 1983 like that was like a couple grand because it was like it was so it was such bleeding edge technology it was this miniature phone that you could put in your pocket and call anyone from anywhere like that was, yeah, the it was like idea, a status right? symbol to have one. It was yeah, it was actually a status symbol to have this giant brick in your back pocket. Well, probably not even your back po- pocket. Probably it probably had like a side bag that you could put in or something like that. And if they didn't, then Motorola, what were you doing? That was like such an easy way to like bring side bags back. Like Motorola could have been a a huge step forward in the fashion industry <laughs> or something along those lines. I thought that'd be cool. But even further on, like we have other phones that like over time have gotten cooler and cooler. Like. The Motorola V70, for example, came out in 2002. It was like an interesting design. It had uh, effectively this flip out, uh, this flip out like top piece that was your earpiece, and it will, it would have, it would pretty much go in 360 degrees. Like the screen was a circle, and this little mm-hmm. flap pretty much would go in 360 degrees, spinning around that screen. And it was like it was really, really cool because it was a very fashionable phone, I guess, for 2002. It was also pretty sleek. So. Over time, Motorola has actually had like a pretty big step in innovation for these phones over the past couple of years. And then, of course, we have probably the most, I guess, standout and recognizable phones to date, the Motorola Razr, which came yeah, out Yeah, I mean, that was, I think, the iconic phone, right? 2004, that phone comes out and that phone changes the world because it was sleek. You had the easy to like hang up on someone. The advertising around it was really interesting. Actually, I watched one of the ads that they had done recently or i watched one of the ads recently in a video i was doing and it was like there were a little bit of like weird like date vibes like it didn't really make sense like i feel like early 2000s ads like kind of like leaned into like sexualizing the people in the ad a little bit but the ads were kind of innovative like some of them at the time and they were they proved to be really effective because razor became like synonymous with one of the best phones on the market yeah Literally, it was, it was, everyone wanted a razor. Like, even me, like, this came out in 2004, and I was like, I look back at this phone right now, and I'm like, yeah, like, I remember when I was younger, like, I always thought that phone looked so cool. 
because it was just like the way that they marketed and imposed it, it was this very like for lack of better words, this very sexy, like very hot phone, like that the, all these cool, young, like hip people had. And so you wanted to be them. Like that was the marketing, yeah. right? So like if you're put yeah. in this position where you're looking at the marketing as like, oh yeah, like I want to be that person. Like they made it out to be this very lavish and awesome experience to have this phone, which was always really cool. But then what I thought was like something that wasn't necessarily the coolest innovation and that was kind of like a huge, like a blatant ripoff from BlackBerry was the Motorola Q. Okay, interesting. Tell me about that. So the Motorola Q, uh, it's a non-touchscreen phone. It ran Windows Mobile 5.0. So Windows did actually have a like mobile operating system for a very long time. They actually only recently shut it down. Like Microsoft did have their own mobile operating system. And the first phone I actually ever used was running one of these operating systems, funny enough. Interesting. So with the Motorola Q, it was pretty much an alternative to BlackBerry that was pretty... Like it, it seems like it was popular at the time because of what it offered. It was like a QWERTY keyboard, plus you're using Windows Mobile, so you had access to things and synchronization with like Excel and Word, PowerPoint, stuff like that. Things that you could n- not necessarily find on a BlackBerry because you wouldn't have that kind of that full level of um, integration. But I thought it just kind of seemed like a flop because afterward, from like moving forward, Motorola really didn't go back to that kind of design element anymore. That kind of design form. Like they went, yep. they started going back towards these candy bar style phones um, that were just like the simple number pad call and like call pickup. Well, I, I also think that shortly thereafter, like in 2009, they came out with a phone, the Motorola Droid. That was actually my first phone where it had the keyboard, but it also had a full screen. And that was mm-hmm. really innovative actually at the time. And, but it also speaks to the fact that like people were really not ready to get rid of the physical keyboard yet. Yeah. And so like the fact that, the phone, like people were so into it that the phone needed to have a physical keyboard and you could also use the on-screen keyboard. That was a big thing. And the phone was big. Like this, again, this was my first phone and it was like an amazing experience. Like I remember I got this phone as like a hand-me-down, like someone had already been using it for a little bit. Yeah. And it still felt like innovative and fast. And like, I could watch YouTube videos on it. I could play games on it. Like the screen was really big and it obviously ran Android. I think at that time it was Android uh, Eclair, Android 2.0. And it was one of the most successful phones at the time. Yeah, honestly, the Motorola Droid was like, like when it came to like buying an Android phone in, especially in the early like stages of Google launching the Android OS, like you're looking at pretty much like two or three options. Like you're looking at Motorola, you're looking at HTC. And I feel like at some point you're also looking at Samsung. But for the beginning stages, like HTC was the first one to come out with an actual like full Android phone, like backed by Google and everything. So that was a, that was a huge pivotal moment, moment for them. But then Motorola was also one of the first as well. And like these, the Droid line was like very, very successful because you saw this going on for like years afterward. Like we, we saw the Droid, we saw the Droid X in 2010. We see the Droid Razor Max in 2012, Droid 4. And then that's when we start switching up into some of these more flagship central, more very, I want to say more futuristic at the time, or I guess more for us now, normal phones, these candy bar, full touchscreen phones, like the Moto X, which was actually for me, I I thought the Moto X was so cool. The Moto X was a very innovative phone at the time. It really just improved on what was great about the Motorola Droid. And so it only came out one year later, but it had Android 2.2 and it also had a swipe keyboard pre-installed, which was a big deal because they actually got rid of the physical keyboard. Yeah, and then I think one of the noticeable uh, or like notable things about its design that I thought was really interesting was the dimple in the back. Because that was like that was when it started coming out. Like the staple design for uh, Motorola was that dimple. And that was like a huge thing for like a solid, like at least three years. Like we, we kept seeing that dimple everywhere. Like we saw it on the Nexus 6, for example. 
And then by the time the Moto Z came out, like they got rid of the dimple and the logo was just in the back in this little circle. And I was like, why, where can I, where can I put my finger? Like I, I want to put my finger there. Like that just seems like the cool thing to do. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the dimple became like iconic of the brand. Mm-hmm. And it also from a functionality standpoint made the devices like easier to manage because at that time the devices were very big. Yeah. Like, but then come like 2012 when they came out with the Droid Razor, which was like kind of the combination of like their two most iconic brands, Droid and Razor. It still had the logo, but it was a very different design. It wasn't like an indentation. And I feel like that they're almost remiss to not include that because it became like so synonymous with the brand. But I do like the fact that over time, phone designs have gotten a little cleaner. Because like if you look at the back of the Motorola Droid, it's like this carbon fiber back and it has a million different logos on it. Phones look so much better nowadays than that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Like even even like in their own lineup too, the Nexus 6 looked so much cleaner than anything they'd done in years prior. And that's just part of the innovation process, right, over time. Before moving forward into, I guess, like some more notable stuff, I did want to give a little bit of a shout out to the Moto Z and the uh, Moto Mods that came with it. I remember this was like one of the first Motorola phones that I'd actually tested. And I had a, like a bunch of the mods, like the projector mod. Um, I had a speaker mod. Uh, like I had all these different mods for it. And I actually loved it. Like, I don't know, like everyone really gave mixed reviews with the Moto Z and the yeah. Moto Z mods. And I actually liked it. For me, it didn't do anything. That's interesting. Cause like for me, I was like, meh, like take it or leave it. Like some things are cool, but I don't think this is like a life-changing feature. Yeah. Well, that was, that was most of the modular phones that time too, right? Like you even looked at like the LG G5, for example, and like it's modular or modularity that it did offer, which was also very, very unique in the way that they did do that because it was, you pulled out the battery and you swipped, you swapped the battery into the mod and the mod would go into the bottom of the phone. So it was like constantly having to open your phone up and turn it off to add these mods. So then at some point along the way, like I guess Motorola wasn't really doing very well and that kind of led to them actually um, se- getting sold to Lenovo. Yeah, there was an opportunity there. There was an opportunity there. Oh, so first though, they were sold to Google, mm-hmm. as you know. And so Google then later sold them to Lenovo for a reported like multiple billions of dollars. And this is around like 2014-ish. And I remember when this happened, there was like a lot of questions in the tech community of what is this going to mean? Because mm-hmm. at this point in time, the Moto G was like one of the biggest phones in the tech community. It was like this $180 or $200 phone and people were just recommending it like left and right. I remember at this time, like Matt Schaefer and Marquez and all these tech YouTubers made so many videos about this phone that I, as a consumer, wanted it. Mm-hmm. To me, that was, I think when I think of like tech YouTube and like different trends, that to me is like its own era. There were so many videos about it. There were so many people then exploring other Moto phones. Like then the Moto E came out and that was like an even cheaper phone. And I felt like at that point, like Motorola really hit their stride. So then when Lenovo acquired them, it was like, what's going to happen? And I think that we'll talk about what actually happened after we take a break. All right, everyone, welcome back from the break. So Google sells Motorola. Now, why do they sell Motorola? Well, PC Mag kind of like reported on this. And so we're going to kind of go through what they said. The first reason that PC Mag thinks that Google sold Motorola is that Google's mobile strategy was to kind of get Android to as many people as possible and as many phones as possible. And a lot of their company revenue is coming from advertising. It still mm-hmm. does. Like their physical products do not make them a lot of money in yep. comparison to everything else. And so from like that perspective, they're not like an Apple or a BlackBerry. Like their product is not the phone, it's the software. The second thing to piggyback off that is that Motorola never made Google any significant amount of money 
Third reason that PCMag suggests, which I think is also true, is that Google really wanted Motorola for their patents, but not for their manufacturing. Yeah, and I believe even in the sale too, they were able to maintain a lot of those patents without actually losing it. So when they like when they did, I remember when yes. they were when they were creating this deal with Lenovo, it was the best deal for Google at the time and Lenovo. Like it was very much working hand in hand. And I'll explain a little bit about why Lenovo may have bought it, but continue, please. Yes. So. And the main reason they wanted these patents is because there was a patent battle with Apple and they could kind of use this massive patent library like as like a defense if anything escalated there. And then another reason is that when Google bought Motorola, uh, some of these like major licensees, like the people that use Android from Google, like for example, like a Samsung, started kind of hedging their bets and buying operating systems. Like LG had WebOS and Samsung had, I think it's Tizen. I definitely mispronounced that. Tizen? I remember Tizen. Tizen. Because it, yes. it even took Tizen to, um, like, that was their Wear OS brand for a bit. Like, that was their, uh, they used Tizen OS on the Galaxy Gear and the Galaxy Watch until they ended up switching to Android Wear now. Yeah, and so, like, there was this moment here where it was like, is Samsung going to, like, leave Android and create their own operating system? And that would obviously be a huge hit for Google. Mm-hmm. And so, Google was kind of worried, like, all right, maybe we should not directly compete with Samsung here because our business model is advertising and it's not Motorola making us money. And then to piggyback off that, the last point is that Google, like by getting rid of Motorola, like it puts them in a more neutral spot again, where they're just like the broker of operating systems rather than having like their neck or skin in the game with like Motorola. Obviously they have it with Pixel. So I think that this is the one point in PC Max article that I'm like, "Mm, I don't really know. Like they have their own phone still, but I think the other stuff is very legit and I think it made a lot of sense why Google would sell Motorola because they got the main thing that they wanted which was the patent protection. Well okay well I feel like to some extent though it kind of does make sense in terms of Google being a neutral honest broker of these operating systems despite Pixel that was like a big thing that was put into play like I don't think I don't think that Pixel was actually much of a threat to any of these other big companies because Pixels were though they were popular at the time like like the Nexus line like this is this was all done around the Nexus time like when Nexus was still a thing so the Nexus lineup wasn't actually doing well it was more of a representation of what like android os and its pure form should be i feel like when they actually started creating the pixel that was when they kind of became more of a a threat towards samsung and lg and all these other big conglomerates in the space but at the time they weren't too concerned but now at this point it's like it's either you're on android or you're on ios and if you're on anything else you're kind of in the you're not really in the bleeding edge of tech anymore so there's so they've kind of made it so that now it's you have to be with us or not making phones (laughs) if that makes sense yeah, I think that that is something that Google has done really well. Is like because they like license Android out, they've created a situation where every manufacturer just uses Android. And if you don't like, it's almost like I wouldn't buy your product because I don't trust any operating system as much as I trust iOS or Android. And so Google's perspective, they get a lot out of it. They get to play around with having Motorola. They learn a lot about um, manufacturing. They get the patents. But from Lenovo's perspective, Darsh, why did Lenovo want to buy it? All right, so there's five reasons why Lenovo would want to buy Motorola. So for one, Lenovo is actually one of the world's top five smartphone makers, well, at least at the time of this article. And effectively, its market share in the U.S., um, one of the largest smartphone markets in the world, was pretty much zero because a lot of these uh, phones and smartphones that were made by Lenovo were mostly done and um, actually taking place in markets overseas. Now, Motorola, given its 85-year history at this time in the U.S. and considering its experience with like NASA, it's just well-founded this in the States. Uh, I feel like at that point, trying to take Motorola and repurposing the brand to kind of work for them. Because I remember actually when Lenovo did buy Motorola, a lot of the phones that Motorola was putting out at that time were kind of very close in line with what Lenovo was doing overseas. 
which was quite interesting. But then on top of that, the company's biggest business is still PCs. And it was at one point the number one PC maker in the world. And so despite PC sales not growing, Lenovo wants to be a technological leader in like and in the mobile space and in the world. So one of the ways to do so is creating and assembling a smartphone business that is going to be on a global scale, having a good reputation. You can't be a tech leader if you don't have a phone. I, I'm going to take that back because you can be a tech leader, but if you want to be like a consumer tech leader, there is really an important element of the phone because the f phone kind of allows you to build out the rest of the ecosystem of products. Exactly. Like Samsung's been doing that uh, now, right? Like they have every single type of technology that's available and totally. they're offering it to everyone. Like everyone has, everyone can buy anything that they want from Samsung pretty much that's tech related. Like I wouldn't be surprised if you could find a Samsung calculator if you really tried. Like they will, they will have everything and anything available to you. So if Lenovo wanted to do this, having Motorola come over with all of their presence in the States worked very well. And considering Lenovo's experience actually integrating and running uh, US-based technologies, like when it bought the ThinkPad from um, IBM and it actually led it to success, it's now made it so that they have been able to, they've clearly been able to expand and grow a um, US-based technology brand from the ground up and, or at least from like, at least a lower point. So they've been able to like actually expand upon it with Lenovo. So they're like with Motorola, this could be a good way to do so. Also, if they have Motorola, then Motorola's relationships with the US market in terms of US carriers like Verizon, yes. um, that makes a huge deal for them because then it puts them in a position where they can start bringing Lenovo phones over to the market in the US because now they have these relationships pre-existing with Motorola. And then on top of that, it's also a huge, a huge part of this is Lenovo wants to be more than just a large consumer smartphone maker. They want to have enterprise relationships um, and they want to expand upon these. Like with the ThinkPad and the ThinkCenter products, it effectively wants to offer phones so it can offer full technology pa uh, packages to all of its US clients who need um, enterprise grade technologies. So that way they can integrate everything totally. together. So Lenovo actually got a pretty good deal out of this, um, all things considered, and so did Google. But I also do want to say that like, a lot of Lenovo stuff as of late in terms of the consumer game, I am not a huge fan of. But then again, like this sale was done almost 10 years ago. It was eight years ago now. The space has changed. So that's always something to keep in mind. But I think in the grand scheme of things, looking back at it, Lenovo and Google got a good deal out of, uh, out of what they did. I don't remember exactly how much they paid, but I think it was a good deal. So the deal was for a reported $2.91 billion. And that is a pretty significant amount of money. But honestly, like, I think that the thing to keep in mind here is that Lenovo has done a lot with the brand since then. I don't know if it's like a super profitable brand. And I feel like they definitely lost their footing a couple times. One thing that they did really well is they came out with the Motorola Razr, like the new version. And then after that was like an incredibly successful phone. But I think that they led kind of like laid the groundwork for the clamshell foldable. Yeah, I'd give that to them like because they came out before Samsung did uh, with the flip. And when they came out with it too, like they had actually created the technologies that the uh, screen would be moving inside of the lip at the bottom. So that way it actually would be, yes. uh, it'd be crease free. They pioneered that. Yeah. No one else really was doing that. So when they did that, that was a huge innovation in the foldable space, despite it not actually doing that well. Cause it was like two grand out the gate, like two grand us too. So that's like pretty much $10,000 Canadian. Like yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's, <laughs> that's the thing, right? Like sometimes like with the early movers advantage, you actually kind of get screwed because you're the one that innovates and then people just see that innovation and then they can just copy it. Exactly. And then come in at a lower price point. And so the Razer comes out, they 
kind of like imbue it with a lot of nostalgia and the advertisements are all about that. Then Samsung comes out with a better product and a cheaper product and the Razer suddenly seems like much less of a good deal, but still some people bought it just for the fact that it was a nostalgic product. And now they're coming out with the Moto G stylus. So when you guys are listening to this episode, the phone is out now and it's a really interesting product because it is not that expensive for what it is. And it has a lot of the same features that, so I think it's like $399. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot of the same features that like Samsung's $1,200 phone has. And I want to say on paper specs do not translate to in real life performance. Like on paper, this phone has higher refresh rate and it's 6.8 inch display and it's bright and colorful. In person, the viewing angles are pretty bad and it doesn't look like nearly as high quality of a panel. So I just think that that's important to note as Darch and I go through like five key things to know about the new phone. Mm-hmm. On paper specs does not necessarily always translate to performance. Absolutely. And, and with that also being said, I do want to say that one of the most successful lineups that Motorola has offered over the years was the Moto G line because it was this budget phone that did provide like a good experience for the user um, without compromising on too much while also being like a very budget phone. Like the Moto G's for a very long time were like 200 bucks. And they even had like the Moto E, which is even cheaper. So over time, like seeing how this phone has evolved is, is quite fascinating. And the Moto G Stylus 5G is a pretty cool phone. And Yeah, so Darsh and I were on um, Z- uh, Discord last night looking at the phone. And I think Darsh, one of the things that you were mentioning was you were like, you were talking about the build and you were like, is that metal? Like, because yeah. it looks really good. There are certain aspects of it that are metal, but I think like, In general, like the buttons feel a little bit like cheaper, but Mm -hmm. it does look really premium, honestly, for what it is. And the stylus obviously is here. So it has something called Moto Note, which feels exotic. Samsung Notes. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the second thing to know is that it has a 50 megapixel camera with OIS. So again, specs do not always translate to real world use. We'll talk more about the phone as we have time to use it. But it does have that ultra wide lens. It does have a macro vision camera. Like it just feels like you get a lot of the features on paper that you get with a more premium phone and i feel like that's that's what it was with the moto g2 in the past that's the goal for it right like ultimately like if the if the design and the build of it isn't necessarily the most high end but it's still offering those features and the specs of these high-end phones like it becomes more appealing because it's like okay i can compromise on how the phone feels in my hand if i can still get all these features for 400 bucks totally yeah and and i think also like a lot of the thing when you're buying a cheaper phone is like you don't want to feel like you're buying a cheaper phone like, oh, absolutely. A lot of people don't, they just don't have the money to afford a more like expensive phone, but they don't want to feel like they're like not doing well or that like their friends have much better features. And so a lot of it is just like the human psychology of having the ultra wide. And so that was also the same thing with the Moto G. Like in the past, like that phone, the iconic Moto G, that was like you would get that phone in 2015, 2016. And it would have a lot of the same features, like the speakers and the, screen, et cetera. And it would be like 70 or 80% as good as a more expensive phone, which is pretty great because the price discrepancy was huge. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was, it was always big. And then on top of all of that too, it also has a 6.8 inch, 120 Hertz display. So you're getting a full HD plus display here. That's going to be, it's, it's supposed to offer you like, an, like a very, very good um, screen experience. I actually haven't played with the phone yet. Jacqueline, in terms of what you have experienced so far, like, does it have 120 Hertz refresh rate? Um, it does have 120 hertz refresh rate, which is great. The viewing angles of the display are not great. I would say that's like the biggest downfall of the display. Mm-hmm. But it looks pretty nice if you're looking at it like straight on. And obviously 120 hertz is one of those features that is just nice to have because it makes scrolling feel a little bit more fluid. And it also makes the phone feel faster because the phone has a Snapdragon 695 processor, which is like a pretty mid-tier Quadcom processor. 
should be pretty good for general stuff. It has 5G enabled. And the battery life will also kind of play off of that, which it's a 5,000 million power battery. And so that's a very large battery. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the display is pretty large as well. But that makes me feel like that feels promising to me that the phone is going to be fast or rather that the phone is going to like last a long time and still have like a decent amount of fast speed. I wouldn't expect like Samsung level speed, obviously, because it's a much worse chip, but it does have four gigabytes of RAM. And so I think that the performance is definitely going to be like average to passable to like semi good in certain environments. Yeah, like I feel like for most basic things, the 695 will definitely be able to perform. But I think that at some also, at some point as well, like it's going to not necessarily be the most, I guess, performance centric phone. Like you're not going to necessarily be able to play like all these really, really, I don't want to say high end, but these very graphic intensive games, um, especially with four gigs of RAM. Like you're not necessarily looking at like the eight gigs you're getting on these higher end uh these higher end phones that will give you that multi power, that multi purpose and multitasking power um, that a lot of these higher end phones do offer. But for the price range and for what it does offer, it is quite interesting. I did want to bring some attention to the stylus just because of how it looks. I okay. got a little bit of an issue with it. Ooh, okay. Well, Why? Okay. so okay, so for one in specific, it's the point, like the actual tip of the pen itself. Yeah. The stylus tip is it looks like I actually haven't used it, so it's it looks like a. Um, black it's rubber It's not as tip. strong. Exactly. Yeah. It's not as like strong as a note. Yeah. Like it, it looks, it, not even just that too, like having a rubber tip that's rounded at the end that's also quite wide kind of takes me back to before styluses were integrated into phones or before they were actually integrated into like di- using different types of yeah pieces of tech. Like when you'd buy like a stylus from a gift shop or from a convenience store uh, that would just have this rubber tip at the end and just be bulky and it wouldn't necessarily work. But on top of all that, it's also just a metal stick. Like, it literally just looks like a metal stick with a little rubber point in the end. Like, it doesn't seem like it has any actual functionality in the device itself. I could be wrong here, but... Yeah, and, like, will it have precision? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the latency going to be like? Because when you are putting a stylus into these phones, like, I'm all for it. I think that that's definitely going to make things much more fun, I guess. Like, it becomes more like you can do more on your phone. But if the stylus isn't necessarily very communicative with the software it's not going to be a cool experience it's not going to be as i guess enjoyable yeah and i think that that's another like again that's that's the thing here which is how like on paper stuff does not always translate to in real life stuff and so i don't want to like harp on that too much because i think the main thing that we just have to do is put in our reps with the phone and actually try it mm-hmm. but i guess Absolutely. what i want to leave this off on darsh is like what do you think this means for the future of motorola right they come out with this phone it's a follow-up to their iconic Moto G line. Lenovo, Motorola, where do you see them in the next couple of years? Honestly, I think that Motorola will continue to make phones, but I think they're going to stay more so around the budget range. I think that the flagship level um, phones are going to be left to more like Samsung, Apple, and Google pretty much. Like that's pretty much the big three at this point for the big flagships. But otherwise, like maybe even OnePlus. But for the most part, I think for budget, I think Motorola is going to take the cake here and they're going to continue to, because I know the Moto G has been performing very well over the past couple of years in terms of what it's offered for the price and it's become quite popular, especially in the US market. So I think that the Moto- Motorola line will continue to go uh, more in a budget section and more of a budget sector than it will the flagship, but I'm here for it. I think that that is a very, very well needed market where a lot of big companies aren't necessarily putting a lot of attention to. And when they are, they're not necessarily giving you what you deserve. Like, I don't think that the iPhone SE for what it offers should be, should still have the iPhone 8 design. At this point, the iPhone 8 has been out for like, it would be out five years ago now, pretty much. 
like a five-year-old dated design just because you want a budget iPhone. I feel like that's a little bit of a, it's a scrappy play on Apple's part. I feel like they could do better. I think the thing is though, that they're able to get the price so cheap because they already have all the parts. No, absolutely. Like that makes sense. I understand that. But it's also like all these other phones are offering these full displays where you're getting like a 6.8 inch display for the same price as someone yeah, that's else getting valid. a 4.1 inch display. Like that's more so where my issue lies. But I think that again, just kind of going back to your question, I think Motorola is going to, I think, I think they're going to stay in the budget space and I think they're going to excel at it. But that's just my opinion. I totally agree. And I think we, I don't think that they're going to necessarily ever be a top player, but I do think like, like, I don't think they're ever going to like reach the exact peak that they were once at, but I do think that they'll stick around because, and obviously this can change like depending on how profitable they are from Lenovo. But I think that people want competition in the space. Like it's better for all of us if there are more smartphone manufacturers. And so I'm hopeful that they stay in the space, I guess. And I think that there is a diehard group of people that will continue to support them. Well, absolutely. That's uh, that's economics. That's my degree right there. Mom, see, I'm losing my degree. Ha. <laughs> but like effectively in a market, if you have like a homogeneous product, a product that's pretty much the exact same across the entire board, there isn't really much room for innovation. And having more, uh, more competition in the space does incite more innovation. So having Motorola in the space will definitely provide, I hope for uh, like more of a, more of a kick in the butt to some of these other companies that are kind of haphazardly creating these budget phones that aren't necessarily where they should be. But I think having gone through now, like this research process, like looking into Motorola a bit more and like actually taking a, a bit more of a deep dive, they're definitely something that I did like this week. So I'm going to put Motorola as my first stuff I like this week. And if you guys are new here, stuff I you like this you week. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. That, well, that was flawless transition. Appreciate it. Well, if you guys are new here, Stuff We Like This Week is a conversation where we just end off the podcast with a couple of things that we really enjoyed in the media and in, like, I guess just in our lives, in our lives. So my first one for this week is going to be Motorola, as corny as that sounds, but having actually done a lot more research into Motorola and what they've been doing over the past couple of years, I have a newfound respect for the company as a whole. So that's number one for me. Totally. All right. My first one is going to be a song. It's um, I feel like I've been on a Jack Harlow Um <laughs> Just like around for a while. Uh, it's called Keep It Light. I just think Ooh. like lyrically is a really like just an amazing lyricist, honestly. So that's been like, uh, from like, I just like I'm taking a walk or something and I want like just like fast paced, like good music. That's definitely the thing that I gravitate towards. I like it. I rate it. I rate it. I think yeah. it's a, I mean, it's definitely, I, I don't, you've heard First Class, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So my roommate and I, uh, yesterday were like, we finished, we were recording some, uh, some content for an upcoming project that I will announce to you guys on the podcast very shortly. But we came back uh, and we were like, he had written his own verses for first class and we literally sat down and recorded it. Like we actually oh sat down and recorded his verses on the first class beat. And it was actually not bad. Um, I'm gonna, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. That will be up to him if he ever decides to release it. But yes. I thought that was quite interesting. But my second one for this week is actually a movie. It is R rated. So I will give this as a preface, but it is also a classic. It is been out since I think 2004 maybe I finally I've never seen it before I finally watched the 40 year old virgin oh okay I was finally watched I loved I thought it was hilarious I thought it was such a funny movie it is very very explicit in terms of the content and what they talk about so if you are under the age of 18 I, mean, I do not I, I recommend like it to you <laughs> I think you could like kind of tell that from the title well yeah I mean it makes sense um like on Netflix like in the r-rated it says like pervasive sexual content pervasive sexual attitudes pervasive like all this I was like yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> it's pervasive in every category yeah interesting you know I I don't I feel like I've seen clips from it, but I don't know if I've ever watched the whole movie. It's it's a good. I'd recommend it. I think you okay. find it funny. Interesting. Yeah, I'll check it out. It's um Steve Carell, right? Yeah, it's it's Steve Carell, Paul Rudd. 
there's a couple other there's a couple other like big names that aren't even I don't even know their names I just know their faces because they're like they've been they've been in the space for a while I think even Mindy Kaling's in it too wow um, it, it's, it's a pretty stacked cast I thought it was really really good so I highly recommend it that's funny and I think it was also like kind of like instrumental at the time oh, like absolutely. I don't know I feel like culturally we go through like different moments and that definitely was a moment mm-hmm. because that was like the time in his career when like the office is just starting to take off yeah Sweet. I will, I'm actually going to watch that. Maybe I'll watch that tonight because it's 8 p.m. right now. And um, maybe I'll do that to like wind down before bed. Do it. Do it. Highly recommend. Sweet. All right. My next one for this week, I may have talked about this on the podcast. I don't remember. I've been getting ice shaken espressos from Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Very good. I get it without any sweetener. Um, I just feel like unsweetened almond milk because you can get it with sweetener, but I think it's too sweet. And it's just very good. So what does it mean to be a shaken espresso? Because I've never understood that. Like, do they put it in a shaker cup and shake it first? I think they do, yeah. Really? Yeah, because I've, I've seen them shaking stuff, and so I assume that that's what it is. I haven't ever, like, watched them make, like, my drink in particular, because often when I go, there are tons of other people there. But I do see them shaking things all the time, and so I just assume, because it, like, kind of comes out, like, mixed together, and it's, like, freezing cold. I can't recommend it enough, honestly. Like, I am all about cold brew, but this is, like, the only other drink that I will get and be happy with. So, okay, that's that's interesting. So you don't like it stirred. You like it shaken. I guess. I don't know. It tastes different to me. I think it's also like the amount of ice they put in is like a lot. Mm-hmm. And so if you drink it right away, then it's cold. Obviously, if you let it sit, then it's a horrible drink because it gets all watery. But if you drink it right away, it's just like it's freezing. It's like refreshing. I'd recommend. Anyone who's listening at this point in the podcast who wants to call Jacqueline out for not catching my reference, please do so on Twitter at Digital Dipod. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, what reference time is? Stirred, not shaken. Shaken, not stirred. James Bond. Wait. 007. Oh God, I, still, I still have no idea what you're talking you don't, about. Have you ever watched James Bond? <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know that reference. So the James Bond like classic line is like he'll go and he'll ask for a, um, a martini and he'll say, he's like, a martini, please. Shake it, not stirred. Like, like that's his oh like that's his, like signature okay. line. So I that, God, you said shake it. I miss that. <laughs> I was like stirred, not shake. Come on. Um, okay, that's interesting. Well, I actually have to, I'm that's yet funny. to try a shaken drink, and I did Google it. It is actually shaken. It actually doesn't come from Starbucks. It is an Italian um, iced espresso beverage known as a shakerito. That is uh, oh interesting. Or shakerado. Sorry, that's uh, that's what that's what the shaken espresso. That's where it comes from, but Starbucks brought it to the, to like North America pretty much and made it more mainstream, which makes sense because they are pretty innovative in that space. They and try shaking. to do that. They try oh. to like bring new like drink types all the time because otherwise people stop buying it. Like people are buying sugary drinks a lot less. I was just watching a video on this, mm-hmm. and people are buying sugary drinks a lot less. So Starbucks has to keep introducing things that are different. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I was actually gonna say like in terms of innovation in uh, the space, this leads me to my third, which is gonna be. Um, Casey Neistat posted two videos in the last week yes. and um, I went on like a Casey Neistat binge for a little bit, honestly. How I've, could you not, dude? Yo, like, I don't know if Casey's listening to this. Casey, if you are listening to this and that off chance, I do have to say, man, please, please, please come out with more content. I will watch anything you come out with. I actually, you can't, you may, because of you, I've come up with a video idea that I might post on my channel like sometime next week, just because why not? Oh, really? Yeah, like straight Ooh. up, like kind of going born to the lifestyle um, kind of idea. Like I was literally like, Casey, change my life, man. If you can make content again, please do. We really yeah, appreciate it. He's so talented, dude. I watched, I obviously love him. He's just a great guy, but I watched his um, video, the um, I Miss Being a YouTuber one. I was just so yeah. impressed by the storytelling. Like, just immaculate. Like, no one doesn't like him. Oh, my goodness. He's Casey knows what he's doing, and it's not even from, like, a place of, like, 
I, I feel like it's not even about him thinking about this like overtly. It's more just like reflex. I agree. I think that he's just, it's an, I think there is a lot of thought that goes into it, honestly. But I also think mm-hmm. that he is just an incredibly well-versed storyteller. And his natural way of like talking and stuff is just in story form. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like it, it's, um, it's more so reflex in the sense that he doesn't have to think like, okay, should this be like, what should I do for the hook? It's more like, hey guys, and just start talking and it's already a hook. He already, here he drew us in. Like he, yes. he knows how to do these things just like just off the top of his head. And I, I have a lot of respect for that because it is quite difficult. Totally, yeah. And um, I think also like everything is always in service of the story which is easier said than done. So yeah, I love KC. That's an awesome one. I think we'll end it on that one. That feels like such a high note to end the podcast on. So if you guys are still listening at this point, genuinely thank you so much. Like, I feel like we have such a special connection if you're still here. We post episodes every Monday at 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. And our show is a show about technology. So by the end of the show, you should feel educated, informed, and excited about something new in tech. And so if you feel like other people would share in that mission and like that, then you should definitely send this podcast to them. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll pass it to Darsh for any final words. And I think a thank you to Adil Constantine as well. Exactly. I was actually just about to say that. Thank you so much to Adil Constantine, as always, for the amazing intro and outro music. And on top of all that, thank you guys as well for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you guys did, make sure to drop a, drop a five-star review down on Apple Podcasts. Like, doesn't hurt. And if you didn't like it, drop us another review. Let us know what you guys thought, and we'll be sure to try to improve on that. As Jacqueline said, new episodes every Monday at 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.